Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and just park it there. And I'm going to give us a little bit of, um, let me say, a little bit of review to catch us up. Uh, last week, we took a break in this series, and we had Sister Joni come and deliver a message to us. How many of you believe Joni did a great job last Sunday? Wow, she just brought us a great message. It was so good. We've had over 500 views of that message on our Lakeshore Gastonia page. People really received from it. If you missed last Sunday's message, you got to get it because I promise it is applicable to your life. Now, before we get to Romans 6, let me just catch us up. Listen to this. Listen very carefully. The goal for my life as a Christian is to progressively learn to let Christ live in and through me so that I reflect Him more and more. That was the big idea for the kind of introduction of this series that we're on in week one. And the title of that message was God's Goal for My Life. See, as a Christian, as someone who's following Jesus, God's goal for our lives isn't so that we're supremely blessed and we have all of the best stuff that this world has to offer and all of our needs are met and we have plenty of money and a nice car and a nice house. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. As a matter of fact, the longer you follow Jesus, the more he helps us to get those blessings in line and experience them the way he wants us to. Uh, but that's not main, the main goal for us. Uh, it's not even, oh, that I would just get to heaven and avoid going to hell. Well, once you're already saved, heaven is guaranteed. You're going to get there. So that's not God's goal for you anymore. While you're living, God's goal for you and for me is to become more mature spiritually. And to let him live through us. So we're discovering that in our series that we're calling God's best in me. Not your best. Not the best you can do. Not the best I can do. God's best in me. And the subtitle is developing Christ-like character. In other words, his character flowing through my life. So I'm showing his character through the way I live. And so we're on this series And one of our main scriptures is in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read it to catch us up. Verses 11 through 13. This is what Paul says. He says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. I'm a gift. Did you know that I'm a gift? Right? And then he says, Their responsibility is to equip or prepare God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of the Son of God that we will be mature in the Lord. Say mature. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now, maturity in the Lord is the goal. And I just want to emphasize that again. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Nobody's perfect. Only Jesus. But it is possible to accept Jesus as your Savior 
and not become mature in the Lord. Still kind of walk around with your diapers and your chipon for many, many years. You know what chipon is? The little sucky, right? You can, you can just live like that for many years spiritually. God doesn't want that. He wants us to grow up. What does maturity looks like? Well, Paul calls it fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Not apples and oranges, fruit meaning the character of Christ. And we see that in Galatians. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that's a sinful lifestyle. That's called the works of the flesh. That's who we were before we gave our lives to Christ. But it is possible to be a Christian and still allow these sins to take control of you. And Paul's saying, no, on the contrary, what we need to do is look at verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faith or faithfulness, and self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's what the Spirit produces. That's not what you conjure up. That's not what you produce. That's not what you have to work for. No, we're learning to access the character of Christ that already belongs to you as a Christian. It's in you. Now we have to learn how to yield to the person in you, the Spirit, so that Christ's character lives through you. Come on, anybody say that's good. We need to do that. That's part of the goal. Paul put it this way in Galatians 2.20. This is what he said. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in this human fleshly body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. He gave himself for me. Now, that definitely means that he gave himself so that you belong to him. So that I belong. He gave himself for me. But it also means he gave himself in exchange for the old you. Let that sink in. He gave himself for you. For the old you. And now the new you is learning to let him live through you. This is supernatural. This takes a miracle. This is not something we do in our human ability. That's what we're after. So what have I been doing? I've been taking us on these steps or a pathway to becoming more like Christ. These are steps that all of us can take. Whether you've been walking with Jesus for 50 years or you've been walking with Jesus for five years or somewhere in the middle, or you're just trying to figure things out. All of us can take these steps. The first step that we covered was, I must know and believe that my old sinful self is dead. Most Christians don't have that revelation. When you gave your life to Christ, 
Your old sinful spirit, your old sinful human nature died with Jesus on the cross. The moment that you professed him as Lord, your old sinful self was done away with. You have to know that. That's the first step. If you missed the message, go back and get it. The second step we said is, now that I know that, I must learn to count my old self dead. So when you're tempted to do something that's out of the character of Christ, you remember, oh, my old self is dead. That guy, that gal is dead that wants to do that. So I count myself or I reckon myself or I consider myself or I see myself, my old self, as being dead to sin but alive to God. Now the Holy Spirit has something to work with. This is very, very practical. Every single one of us, myself included, struggle at times with being tempted to sin and to act out of who we really are. And this is the key to victory. I got to learn how to count my old self dead. So the title of today's message, today's message, here it is, presenting my new self to God. Would you say it with me? Come on. Presenting my new self to God. Now let's read Romans. It's kind of long. I'm not going to take long. I'm going to just read it through and get to our main text. Paul's writing. Listen. He says, therefore, what shall we say? Should we be continuing in sin in order that grace might increase? May it never be! Exclamation mark. How shall we who died to sin live in it any longer? Or do you not know that all we who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ arose from the dead through the glory of the Father, so also we might walk in newness of life. He's basically saying that when Christ was crucified, your old sinful nature died with him. Not only that, but he was buried. When Christ was buried, he's dead, he's buried, he's gone. When Christ resurrected from the grave, you rose to newness of life. Can somebody say amen? That's good news. He goes on and he says, For if we become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Verse 6, knowing this, that was first week, knowing this, that our old person was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be done away with. In other words, so sin won't take control over us anymore. Sin would be rendered powerless and ineffective so that we no longer are slaves to sin. Before Christ, you were a slave to sin. Everyone outside of Christ is a slave to sin. They have no choice but to follow the sinful human compulsion. Verse 7. For the one having died has been declared righteous or free from sin. And if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having arisen from the dead, dies no more. Death lords over Him no longer. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he is living, he is living to God. So also you be counting yourselves to be dead to sin, but living to God in Christ Jesus. Verse 12, this is powerful. Listen, therefore, do not let sin be reigning in your mortal body so that you are obeying its desires nor be presenting 
your body parts to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as if being alive from the dead and your body parts to God as instruments of righteousness. Why? For sin shall not lord over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. And the law means you are trying to do right. You saw what God wanted you to do as being right, but there was no power and no grace of the Holy Spirit enabling you to do right. He's saying you're not living that way anymore. You have the grace of the Holy Spirit now that you're under. Now you can live righteously the way God intends you as a new creation in Christ. This is good news. So this is part of this pathway to becoming more like Christ. Step number one, knowing. Step number two, counting. Step number three, today, presenting. Presenting. You can write this down. I must present my new self to God. The word present is a fill in the blank on the key point on your sermon guide. Look at Romans 6.13, the back half again. If you have a Bible and you want to underline it or highlight it, it would be worth it. He says, but present yourselves to God as if being alive from the dead, you were spiritually dead before Christ, and your body parts, very specific, your eyeballs, your ears, your hands, your feet, your body parts, present your body parts to God as instruments of righteousness. Our whole body belongs to God. Pastor Robert, that's kind of, that's kind of fanatical. Well, look at what the Bible says. Paul, Paul refers to it again in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. He says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit in you? Whom you have from God. You have the Holy Spirit from God. He's in you. And you are not your own. For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. What price did God pay to purchase us? Come on, say it. The blood, the precious blood of Christ. He bought you and me from the grips of the devil, from sin, and he brought us into life and light. And now, my whole body, my whole being, my whole person belongs to God. That's the truth. So here's letter A, fill in the blank. Presenting my new self to God means I consider my whole life as belonging to Him. Now, let's just imagine we took 10 Christians, 10 people who say, I'm a Christian, and we just lined them up and we asked them, do you know and believe truly deep in your heart that you belong to God? What do you think most of them would say? No? Yes? I don't know. know. Right? So there'd be a mixture. Some people would say, yeah, I know that. Some people might say, I don't know. That's, That's a deep question. 
Too deep for me. I don't got my scuba gear on. Not going that deep. Some people, some people might say, no, I had no idea. I thought I just confessed Jesus. My sins are forgiven and I'm going to heaven. But I still own me. I could live how I want. I could watch what I want. I could listen to what I want. I can hang out with what I want. I could date who I want. I could do whatever I want. Well, I guess you could. But the Bible says you don't own you anymore. You belong to God. This is important because you can't present yourself to God if you don't buy into that. And if you can't present yourself to God, you won't be able to defeat the temptation that's trying to take you out. There's benefits to letting Christ live through you and me. A lot of benefits. Keep you out of the snare of sin. Keep you out of trouble. Keep you in your marriage. Keep you on your job. Keep you in the flow of the blessings of God. Keep you from deception. Keep you from the demons that are wanting to attack your life and your kids and your grand. There are benefits to learning how to let Christ live through us. A lot of benefits. I want to read to you a quick portion from a book that I like reading called The Normal Christian Life. Listen to this practical use of presenting yourself to God. On one occasion, a Chinese brother was traveling by train and found himself in a train car together with three non-Christians who, wanting to pass the time, decided to gamble and play some cards. Lacking a fourth person to complete the game, they invited this Christian brother to join them. I'm sorry to disappoint you, he said, but I can't join your game, for I have not brought my hands with me. They looked at him. They were kind of puzzled. Then there followed the explanation of the transfer of ownership of his hands that had taken place in his life. You see, this brother regarded the members of his body as belonging entirely to the Lord. His hands were not his anymore. See, that's true holiness. That's learning to present oneself to God. Holiness is that. It's setting yourself apart, recognizing that you belong to him and that you're for him and for his purposes. Romans chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. Look at them again with me, just to emphasize. He says, therefore, do not let sin be reigning reigning, not reigning like we had this morning, reigning, R-E-I-G-N-I-N-G. That means to exercise kingly rule or power or authority over you. Don't let sin be reigning in your mortal body so that you are obeying it, sin, and its desires. Verse 13, if you have a pen or a highlighter in your Bible, you could mark these words, nor be Presenting, that's the word, nor be presenting your body parts to sin as instruments, that's a key word, of unrighteousness, but present, that's a key word, yourselves to God, as if being alive from the dead, and your body parts to God as instruments, that's a key word, of righteousness. So as a Christian, we have a choice. We can present our body parts as instruments to sin, 
in unrighteousness, or I can present my body parts as instruments to God in righteousness. So I have a choice. The word present or presenting simply means to stand beside, to be at hand, to be ready. It means to give oneself to another or to yield oneself to another. That's what it means. For example, in the morning, when my feet hit the floor, I get out of bed. Father, today, as I'm getting started, I present myself to you. I just give myself to you right now. Every part of me, my mind, my mouth, my heart, my body, everything, I give myself to you, fresh and anew. I don't make a big 30-minute prayer. I just say it before I get up and start going. Right? I'm mindful of that. And I present myself to the Lord. I'm making myself yours. I'm yielding myself to you. That helps. Some of us might have to do some presenting several times a day. Some of us hour by hour, depending on what you might be challenged with or something that's trying to come up against you. The enemy's trying to deceive you. He's trying to get you to act outside of the character of Christ in you, trying to get you to sin or do something that's harmful to your body. You might have to present yourself in that moment. Reminding yourself and confessing and aligning yourself with God's word and God's truth. This goes a long way. He says, don't present your body parts as instruments. This is not a guitar. It's not a harp. It's not a flute. That's not the kind of instrument he's talking about. This word instruments is the Greek word hoplon. H-O-P-L-O-N as in Nancy. Hoplon. And it's a tool, a utensil, an instrument. Especially, it's an offensive tool for war, or better said, a weapon. So your body parts can be used as weapons to give arm to the enemy to be used for unrighteous deeds, or your body can be used as a weapon to be given to God to be used for righteous deeds. And that will work on your benefit, in your behalf, and on my benefit, and on my behalf. Paul... I'm going to read some commentary. Paul, the writer of Romans, he's made it abundantly clear that those of us in Christ must engage in this kind of battle with the enemy through our fleshly desires. We've been freed through our spiritual death and resurrection with Christ from the power of sin. Our old self has been crucified spiritually in the same way that Christ was crucified The result is that sin no longer has authority over us. We have been set free from sin. Can you say amen? We have not, however, lost our ability to be tempted to sin. We still want to sin at times, even knowing the destruction that sin is. Paul has commanded us not to volunteer to sin. Not to let it take control of our bodies. Now he puts an even finer point on this command. We must not present our members any part of our bodies for sin to use to do unrighteous things. Notice something about that command. It insists that we have control over what we do with our own bodies. Christ's death and the power of God's Spirit 
gives us that control. Those who are saved can only sin by choosing to do so. Instead, Paul writes, we must present our bodies to God to be used for righteousness. In fact, we should do it on purpose like people who have been brought from death to new life in Christ. Come on. Presenting yourself to God is the next natural step in becoming like Christ. You know that your old sinful self is dead. You count your old sinful self as being dead. And now I present my new self to God. He doesn't want you to try and present your old self to God. He wants you to present your new self. You're holy. You're pure. You're righteous. You're forgiven. You're redeemed. You're washed in the blood. You belong to Him. Your name is in the Lamb's book of life. Your destiny is heaven. Christ is in you. He wants you to present your new self to God. Letter B, fill in the blank. Kind of long, but I think it's worth it. There must be a day in my life when I pass out of my own hands into His. And from that day forward, I belong to Him and no longer to myself. Wow. Wow. Pastor Robert, this is hard, man. Capital H-A-R-D. How do I do this? Well, we're going to talk more about that next week as we wrap up this series. But just very practically, like I shared with you just a moment before you even get out of bed, just verbalize it. God, I'm presenting myself to you today. Let's say you're tempted to do something that you know is not good for you. In that moment, present yourself fresh and anew to God. The Holy Spirit will empower you in that moment to push away from that harmful habit, that sinful desire, that wrong way of living, and take you in the way, the way that you should go. But you got to present yourself to God. Just give yourself, yield yourself to God in that moment. Some of us might need to do that 10 times a day. I don't know. Some of you might do it 50 times a day. However many times you do it, the power of God will be there to help you do it. So powerful. Presenting comes after you know your old self is dead. Presenting comes after you consider your old self is dead. That's the third step on the pathway to becoming more like Christ. Look at Romans 12.1 with me out of the Amplified real quick. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves, set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. Wow. Did you know, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not looking at anybody I'm not thinking about anybody in particular. I'm just, this is, this is our culture. Did you know that there are more and more Christians who have decided to forego getting married and just move in with each other? They're not married. You know what the Bible calls that? Sin, fornication, could be adultery. Remember when we read about the works of the flesh, it said sexual sins. 
right? Anything outside of a man being a husband and a woman being the wife under holy matrimony, in most cases that includes some sort of ordained presence of God doing that, but at the very least, it's legal with the state in which you live and you have a marriage certificate and it's acknowledged as being a marriage, right? That's marriage. And there's a lot of Christians. They want the fruit, but they don't want to buy the tree. They want to try it out. Take it for a test drive. Did you know statistically people who move in together before they get married, when they get married, their marriage doesn't last? Did you know that that's not God's design? Now listen, I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. And that's just one example. That's sexual sin. What about gluttony? Is that a sin? Overeating? I have trouble with that. I love food. I'm just saying, there's all kinds of them. You're not going to go to hell if you sin and you mess up as a Christian. You're a genuine believer. You've been saved. You're born again. This is part of the growth process, though. And we should be learning to allow God's Spirit to live through us. Amen? There's blessings in doing it God's way. Oh, there's so many blessings in doing it God's way. There's so much heartache that is avoided by doing it God's way. He's given us his word to guide us in life and to be a blessing to us. If there's ever been a time in the darkness of this world and the culture that we live in for the people of God to shine, it's now. And we can't do that if we're just living any old way we want to. And we think, you know, I, I belong to me. I can do whatever I want with my body. Well, not according to the scriptures. Present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves, set apart as a living sacrifice. How I many you know sometimes sacrifice hurts? Right? Listen, Paul, he writes that as the Jewish people in the Old Testament offered killed animals as sacrifices to God, that's what they did. We as Christians should instead offer ourselves, our bodies, our lives to Him as living sacrifices. In other words, the only rational response to God's mercy in giving us eternal life is to present our lives as a sacrifice to use for His purposes right now as we live. Animal sacrifices under the old Jewish sacrificial system had to be set apart from the herd for that purpose and chosen with care to make sure they were spotless and acceptable and unblemished and unmarked and unharmed to use for sacrifice to God. As living sacrifices, God has already set us apart for His purposes. God has already declared us as acceptable because He sees us in our position in Christ. Amen? And as people in Christ, He will receive the sacrifice of our everyday lives right now. Now, if I'm being honest, which I am, in full disclosure, 
you have to realize and I have to realize that presenting ourselves to God, that might mean with his help, I'll have to adjust some things in my life. I might have to adjust some things in my family as the head of the household. I might have to adjust some of my friends. Oh, Pastor Robert. Uh, I know they're not living for God. I know they're a bad influence for me, but you know, I just believe by hanging out with them all the time, I'm going to win them over. Well, you got to be real careful. The Bible says don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Yoke means you're doing life with them. You're connected like two oxen that would yoke. So you go down. If you want to break away, you can't because you're yoked. Don't be unequally yoked. That's not just for marriage. That's in friendship. That's in business. That's in close associations. You got to be very careful. So if you want to present yourself to God and that person or those people or that place is bad for you and it's constantly tempting you to sin and to live outside of the character of Christ, you might have to adjust that. And that's a sacrifice. Don't mean you don't love them. Don't mean you don't pray for them. But you got to be careful. It might mean I have to change the way I do my finances. How I handle finances. Oh, Pastor Robert, you're getting personal now. This is not a message about finances. But as I'm growing and learning, I realize it's not my money. It's God's money. And he's teaching me how to live that way. I might have to adjust some things. I might, I might have to adjust some personal preferences. Personal pre- I like to do that, but yeah, but that, that's not right. That's wrong. That, the Bible says that that's wrong. Well, I'm not hurting anybody. It's just me. Well, yeah, but you're a witness. And people who aren't walking with Christ know that you say you do, and you're living in sin. You might have to adjust that. If you want to present yourself to God and experience victory over sin and live a victorious lifestyle, amen, you might have to adjust that. I might have to adjust my, my personal views to line up with God's views. Anytime I adjust my life for God's way, life is better. Life is better with Jesus, period. And anytime we adjust for Jesus, life is better. You might not feel it right now, but little by little by little, things get better because Jesus is good and doing His way is the best way. Listen, His loving finger will touch... Point by point, everything that is not of him, and he will say, this must be adjusted. But the question is, am I willing? Am I willing to adjust? Pastor Robert, why should I do this? I mean, I'm doing pretty good right now. Listen, when you present yourself, when I present myself, when we present ourselves, to God fully, it brings a heightened awareness and experience of God's presence in our lives. It does. Here is a fill-in-the-blank letter C. I must first have the sense of God's possession of me before I can have the sense of His presence with me. When you're aware that you belong to God, your heightened awareness of Him being with you is just magnified. 
You're just so confident. You belong to him. He's with you. He's on you. He's in you. His grace, his power, his favor, his blessing. Even when you're going through a storm, he's going to get you to the other side. When you give yourself fully to him, you become more aware of his presence. You become more aware of his grace, of his blessing. Here's another portion from the book, The Normal Christian Life. Listen. When the little boy with the five loaves and two fish brought his food to Jesus, what did the Lord do with it? He broke it. God will always break what is offered to him. He breaks what he takes, but after breaking it, he blesses and uses it to meet your needs and the needs of others. After you give yourself to the Lord, he begins to break what was offered to him. Sometimes everything seems like it's going wrong and you protest and find fault with the ways of God. But to stay there is to be no more than just a broken vessel. No good for the world because you've gone too far with God. For the world to use you. And no good for God either because you have not gone far enough for Him to use you. And you're kind of just stuck on the fence. You're out of gear with the world and you're out of gear with God. The writer says, this is the tragedy of many Christians today. My giving myself to the Lord must be an initial fundamental act. Then day by day, I must go on giving myself to him, not finding fault with his use of me, but accepting with praise even what the flesh finds hard. Yeah, this is, this is presenting myself to God, right? So I'll, I'll give you a very practical, reason, a, a practical uh, example before we leave. I'm, I'm, I'm about done. Two more minutes. Um, most of you know, I've shared this with you. I've lost about 40 pounds, maybe 38 pounds. I feel better for it. But, man, to say that I love food is an understatement. I don't think I realized it, but ever since I was a child, I think I've been addicted to food. Like, I mean, I was a chubby kid, and I grew up just loving food. My mom was a good cook. Come on, anybody have a mother that was a good cook? And boy, I just love to eat. And don't hear this with any condemnation. This is just me. And for years, I've struggled with getting that under control. I just haven't been able to win. And then I don't know exactly how it happened, but in God's timing, I realized, you know what? I belong to God. This is God's body. And so with his help, I'm going to try to do better. And little by little by little, it's been about 16 months. Never in 53 years have I been this consistent and this victorious in the area of diet and exercise and just general health. And that's just for me. Is there an area in your life that you haven't been able to find victory in? Maybe it has nothing to do with food. 
something else. I don't know. Could be foul language. Could be a bad temper. Could be drinking. Could be drugs. Could be smoking. Something that you're struggling with. There's victory in presenting yourself to God. Knowing your old self is dead. Counting your old self as dead. Presenting your new self alive to God. That's a pathway of victory. And with God's help, he'll get you over that thing that's been a challenge for so many years. So what did we learn today? Presenting my new self to God means I consider my whole life belongs to him. Secondly, there must be a day in my life when I pass out of my own hands into his. And from that day forward, I draw a line in the sand and I belong to him and no longer to myself. And then finally, I must first have the sense of God's possession of me before I can have the sense of his presence with me. Have you been blessed by the word today? Come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet and we'll pray. Let's bow our heads. We're almost done. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Robert, man, I'd like to get on those, but I don't even know where I'm at with God. If you feel like you're not with God and you want to receive Jesus as your Savior, keep your head bowed and uh, just raise your hand so that I can be in agreement with you. We can pray before we leave. Or you might say, Pastor Robert, I, I once had Jesus as my Savior, but I've got off track. I'm just not where I need to be. Well, you can recommit your life to Jesus today, and he takes you. He's waiting for you. If that's you, you want to recommit your life to Jesus, just lift your hand so I could see you. All right, we got one person. Anybody else want to lift their hand? Recommit their life to Jesus? Man, anytime somebody does that, the Bible says that there's a heavenly angelic choir excited breaking out in heaven. When one person commits to Jesus, right? Pray this prayer after me, all of us, nice and loud. If you're saved, just, just let it, you know, remind you of some things. If you're recommitting your life to Jesus, make this yours. Make it real. Come on, just say this after me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Holy Spirit, fill me with your power. Help me to follow God all of the days of my life. God, thank you for forgiving me. And thank you for giving me new life in Christ. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.